Welcome to the Prepping Patriots Podcast. Oh, greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome to the Prepping Patriots Podcast, episode two. Hello, I am your host, JT. And before I begin, before I begin, I was listening to, as I was editing episode one down, uh, I was, um, I realized that as I talk and talk really fast and try to give you guys like, as I'm telling stories, I get dates wrong. And I realized that as I'm listening to it, I'm like, these guys probably think I'm an idiot. Uh, because I referenced the great depression as like happening in the 1939 or in fact it was 1929 and but that's just me it's it's fine don't don't i know don't troll me for that i'm just i talk really fast my brain my mouth moves faster than my brain so with that out of the way um my point is to not give you firm dates as facts it's it's more part of the story so apologies in advance because it will happen again so with that out of the way what are we talking about today? Um, we're going to be talking about last episode was kind of an intro, a little bit of who we are. Um, Cameron, my compadre, is on vacation, so he's obviously not going to be part of these first couple episodes, but he's coming back and he's going to be a primary driver in these things because as him and I have conversations, um, we're going to talk through this stuff. So you haven't met Cameron yet. Great guy. I'll let him talk about himself and what got him into prepping and all that other good stuff. But for now, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more, get a little bit more in depth of the reasons like why Cameron and I prep, like what we prepare for. Um, I explained in the last episode, my journey in preparedness, what started like me down this whole path. Uh, so if you miss that, go check out episode one and that kind of give you a little bit of background history of what got me going into this. Um, but what Cameron and I are preparing for is um, the next disaster cycle. Um, and what that is, is there's there's a gentleman, uh, Ben Davidson. He runs the Suspicious Observers website and he has a YouTube channel where he's basically studies space and the sun and its effects on the planets and how it all links together. And like he links all kinds of stuff together, global warming and how that's not just like, you know, we're putting out extra carbon emissions out of our vehicles and that's what's causing the planet to warm no he gets into like yes that might be part of global warming but it's also part of this disaster cycle and what's happening in space and the other planets and it it makes a lot of sense so much so that it convinced me it convinced me that this is the number one prep that we should be doing now i say that uh, with a little caution, because there are things that are happening around the world that are concerning, i.e., you know, Russia ramping up their rhetoric on using nukes, our, our amazing president saying that, oh, this could be Armageddon, you know, in a news conference that his staff had to roll back that, um, to China stepping up its rhetoric with Taiwan, with uh, what's happening in North Korea, launching missiles over Japan, calling it a test. And recently they fired 
a bunch of artillery. North Korea fired a bunch of artillery towards South Korea and it landed like in the buffer zone. So there's a lot in a lot of going on. UK UK prime minister, brand new prime prime minister, less than six weeks on the job, just quit. She got on. She got in and she saw what was going on. She's like, oh, hell no. I'm, uh, I ain't doing this. This ain't for me. Um, so there's a lot going on. Um, so when I say this should be the number one prep, I say that with caution because there's a lot of stuff going on in the world that warrants preparedness. And, and outside of your typical natural disaster based on whatever geological location, that type of prepping, um, there's all the crap that's happening in the world that warrants a lot of people to prepare. Um, and then there's people that people prepare for different reasons. Like, you know, I'm preparing for this disaster cycle, this solar kill shot thing that takes out all of technology because it seems like the most viable thing it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, and could there, is there a potential that this happens outside of my lifetime? Sure. But the evidence is pointing towards, no, this is going to happen within my lifetime and it may happen relatively soon. So just like you have car insurance and homeowners insurance, you pay all this money to these freaking insurance companies. But you know what? If your house burns down or you get in a car accident, you're covered. It's the same mentality. And, you know, I have homeowners insurance. I have I have life insurance. I have car insurance. Just like I have all those insurances, I also have food insurance. I have security insurance. I have power insurance. I prepare. I have extra food that can that I can live off of. I have alternative means of generating power case the lights go out i have alternative means of getting water in case water pumps don't work um and that's all the preparedness is you're just preparing for things that may or may not happen it's insurance so the insurance i'm preparing for is the entire collapse of the grid of technology and I, I prepare for that because of the evidence that I've learned from Ben. Before I even heard of suspicious observers, I was preparing for anything under the sun. Nuclear war, financial collapse, all that stuff. And yeah, I still have preps for that because it's a possibility that those things can happen. Financial collapse. So I have money saved that precious metals i have certain things that can hedge against some of these crashes because crashes have happened before and they will happen again it's part of a cycle it gets into that whole financial rise and fall of empire cycle um so that happens so um i i have preps for that nuclear armageddon less likely to happen but a possibility um nuclear nuclear war has not happened before Yes, we did drop bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but that wasn't a nuclear exchange. That was us just going and because we were the only ones that had nukes, we just dropped a bomb. Right. So there hasn't been a nuclear exchange. And and there's even though there's talk and rhetoric right now ramping up of like using nukes, the likelihood, I, I believe, is still very low. But we prepare for that just in case. Um, but 
the thing that we are sure that's going to happen on top of all that, that's even more devastating than a financial collapse is an EMP, a solar flare that produces electromagnetic pulse that takes out technology. And yes, there are man-made uh, ways to fire off an EMP, um, you detonate a nuclear bomb, what, 20 miles up and pretty much all of America's technology fries. Um, I don't think that EMP is as powerful as the sun, but that's another way that, you you know, um, technology, we can be taken down by that. Um, I'm not so much worried about that either. Somebody launching a nuke over United States, we have plenty of ways to shoot those down. So they'd have to launch like a couple hundred and hopefully one gets through again that I put those on the list of things that are possibilities, but less likely. But what I know is going to happen based on the evidence I've seen is we are going to get hit with a solar flare because we've been hit with multiple solar flares this year alone. It's just that they weren't powerful enough to penetrate and overwhelm the earth's electromagnetic field, but the field is weakening and it doesn't take as strong of a EMP uh, to take us down uh, when compared to like the EMP that happened in um, the Carrington event back in the 1840s, 1880s, somewhere around there. So rather than me kind of trying to explain the science behind it, um, I'm going to let you listen to a couple minutes of uh, one of Ben Davison's videos from suspicious observers. Man, that's hard to say. I'm going to let you, I'm going to play this and hopefully he doesn't sue me. Um, but I'm going to play a little chunk of this that kind of gives a really broad overview of, you know, what's coming our way. And then we'll, we'll talk about it. So this is going to give you guys a really good insight to what our thought processes, our thought process around why we prepare and then we'll come back and we'll discuss and we'll talk about it. But anyway, um, I'm going to play this real quick and I may talk during it because there's things on my screen that you guys obviously won't see. So I'll just kind of like comment as we're going through. So here it is. Earth enjoys long, quiet eras commanded by the slow grind of wind, rain and geology. These periods are punctuated by a recurring catastrophe. We're coming to the end of one of these calm periods and a disaster is coming. By combining millennia of evidence, centuries of study, and the modern capabilities of technology, we can answer the challenge to explain all the evidence of Earth's disaster cycle, and we have all the tools to track the next one. We have dozens of videos on this topic, including a full movie, follow-up breakthroughs, and seen a shift in the peer-reviewed literature that seamlessly blends with the paradigm. Today, we're not going over papers or the science behind the events or the cycle or their individual mechanisms of action. We're going to lay out the order of events we most expect to happen and offer our best constrained timelines for each. The listing of the events and their timelines is most helpful, but only with the appropriate understanding of what each actually is and its significance. So let me tell you a story first. Before any of you were born, the leading edge of the galactic current sheet arrived at our solar system. It began what will finally present a 10% change in interstellar density and the galactic magnetic reversal. The Sun announced the arrival with a super flare. Early solar scientists tied a massive sunspot group to a geomagnetic disaster unheard of at the time. 
1859, the Virgin Electric Age was raised, literally, to the ground, as the Carrington event solar storm surged electric current through the planet that would not only set telegraph wires on fire, but would induce the beginning of the modern magnetic excursion of Earth. The Earth's field began shifting, the climate began warming, the magnetic field began weakening, the poles shifting faster and faster. It would be more than a hundred years before we'd realize that the other planets were changing too, seemingly accelerated of late, and we would wait just as long to learn that the stars in line with the center of the galaxy were performing record outburst activity, one after another, in a line right at the sun, and were next. It would be 2020 before we learned that the sun's coronal magnetic fields were reacting, and the chemistry of its atmosphere was beginning to change, most notably in the helium. Thus far, the changes we see from the ground are more due to Earth's changing magnetic field and its effect on the upper atmospheric lens through which we view the sun, such that the once yellow sun now looks more white at greater and greater angles of the day. I know many remember the look of the yellow sun. I'm just old enough to remember it looking white near the noon position and thinking, maybe it's just too bright to see the yellow properly way up there. That's not what this is. The first horseman, dressed in white, wearing a crown at the top of the sky. That takes us from 1859 to today. And the big question is, what happens next? The most likely answer is that a significant solar flare, perhaps not even as great as the Carrington event, will impact Earth in the coming years as our planet's magnetic field continues to weaken and will be enough to destroy the electrical age once and for all. A big enough solar storm means every copper wire melts, every grid is gone, many buildings burn down, there is no power, gasoline, ATMs, banks, grocery, refrigeration, natural gas, heat, AC, no water unless you have a manual well, no factories to rebuild, no vehicles to transport, no 911. With Earth's field weakening, this is by far the most likely candidate to begin the next level series of challenges. And when the internet is a memory, you'll have to watch the skies, the clouds and the sun. Okay, so I'm going to stop it there um, because then he starts talking about the next phase of this disaster cycle because um, this isn't the only thing that happens. Like the solar kill shot is not the only thing that happens in this disaster cycle. There's there's more people there's there's more to come and i don't play this stuff to induce any type of fear or panic or anything like that but this stuff if you believe ben that this is coming and you're not prepared then this should at least hopefully jump start you to go oh i need to i need to start doing something um so he starts talking about like the next solar flare that can take down all of technology and like i stated before um we've already been hit this year alone with multiple solar flares they just haven't been at the magnitude to take down to take everything down so these seven year cycles we're in a solar maximum all right and we've been in it for a few years now where the sun is a lot more active producing a lot more cmes a lot more solar flares popping off and 
it's popped off a ton this cycle and a lot of them have been not earth facing but some of them have been earth facing earth has hit been hit with these solar flares this year and um it's a seven year cycle so we have a solar minimum and a solar maximum so the solar minimum the sun's a little bit quiet they typically run in seven year spans seven year minimum seven year maximum and we're in one, we're in the seven year maximum cycle right now so it's only a matter of time and it could potentially be this sunspot cycle that the sun produces a cme that takes takes everything down and takes down the grid and all of technology um which if you think about it could be a, a very very scary thing no technology so hopefully that video helped you understand kind of where cam and i are coming from um, I'll link the video to in the show notes. It's like a 20 ish minute video. There's a lot more information. Ben goes into a lot more detail of like what's to follow the solar kill shot. Cause like I said, solar kill shots, just like phase one, right? Um, there's stuff that happens in phase two, three, four, and five. That is like, once you learn about what it is, some of you, some of you may be like, well, what the hell's the point? But the point is that Mankind has survived every time. Every time that this happens, every 12,000 years, mankind survives, species survive. Um, I think one of the statistics he he uh, shares is that only about 4% of the species on Earth is wiped out, but 4% is still a lot, and it's still something we need to prepare for. And in this episode, we're really just going to, like, we've really just been talking on phase one, which is the solar kill shot, which is what I'm mainly preparing for. Like you can't sit here. At least I, I don't have the capacity to go. I need to prepare for everything all at once. All right. I need to prepare for nuclear war, financial collapse, grid going down, the earth shifting, magnetic poles flipping, you know, you know, all of that stuff. I can't prepare for that all at once. It's just too much. So I'm not even going to bother because I, my brain just can't comprehend it. What I'm preparing for is that solar kill shot where we have to survive without technology because I firmly believe it's coming. It's just a matter of when. So what am I doing? What is Cam? What are Cam and I doing to kind of prepare for this? Well, we're doing the basic preparedness stuff. You know, we're we're stocking up on food. We're freeze drying food and stocking it up. We're um, stocking up on water, getting ways to collect water if need be. Um, we're talking through bug out locations and different locations that we can then go to after this happens because I live in a suburban environment, right? Um, there are neighborhoods around me. When this happens, I, I, I think I have maybe 24 hours before like craziness starts to happen. And then 72 hours before it starts really getting violent and it starts really getting risky for us to stick around where we're at because people are going to start looking for food um, after about three days because the average American house only has about three days worth of food. Everybody is so used to going to Sendex or Piggly Wiggly or Walmart and picking up the food that they need for the week. Um, that's all going to go away. That's that's all going to go away. Stores will be looted. Food in the grocery stores will be looted. The stuff in your freezer and fridge will go bad if you don't cook it right away. And cooking it right away only gives it another maybe week or so before it goes bad. So 
you know, one thing that, that one of my preps that I'm, I'm working on is like, okay, if the, if the grid goes down, all my meat in the freezer, I need to, I need to build up the skill set to where I can smoke that meat to give it, to preserve it. Right. Yes. I have a freeze dryer. Yes, we do freeze dry meats and we're going to freeze dry all kinds of stuff in that thing. But the stuff that's actually in the freezer, like I want to be able to also preserve that and pack that up and, and, and leave if I have to go to my bug out location, um, which we don't have a bug out location yet. We haven't purchased land. We haven't bought land. We're looking. But the question that really is that we're really talking through Cam and I is that, okay, you have your preppers, right? You have a couple categories of preppers. And I hit on this a little bit last episode. You have your like really diehard people that quit their jobs and home and find a piece of land and just homestead. And that becomes their lifestyle. And some people do it not as a preparedness thing, but that's just, they just want to live a simpler life. And those people are doing that. I think those are the best people that are going to survive this because right now they're living a simple life there. A lot of them are, some of them are off grid. Some of them are on grid. They just live a much simpler life where they're raising farm animals and they're planting their gardens and they're doing their thing. Okay. We're not doing that. We're, we're not like we have the land. We have about two and a half acres where I'm at. Yes, we have a garden. Um, I don't have chickens or cows or anything like that. But um, just our municipality doesn't allow us to have to have livestock Um, and I have to go get a permit if I wanted to have backyard chickens. It's it's one of these stupid neighborhoods, even though I have two, two and a half acres, I can't have chickens unless I go get a permit for it and go in front of the city council and be like, I, I want chickens. And when they ask why I want chickens, am I really going to sit in front of city council and go, Oh yeah, because there's going to be a, a solar flare and I need eggs. Like, no, like, so we're just, you know, I may do rabbits, you know, uh, rabbits are a great source of, of protein and meat and all that, but, uh, that gets into other things. Like there, the, the point is, is that we're develop we're, we're developing this plan of what we're going to be doing next. Like we've already done like phase one we've covered our basics food water shelter if we're doing like a bug-in situation where if we just need to stay at currently in our location we just need to ride out something uh, ride out a financial collapse ride out just another disaster that happens whether it be like we get snowed in for a week here in in the great cheese state that i'm in um or whatever, like there's that plan. And we're covering those bases as far as food. We're still, we always still work on our food and our food pantry, rotate that things in and out. I want to try to get enough food for, for a year and a half. And that year and a half is kind of a key thing because if I need to survive shelter in place and, and, and not have access to food for a year and a half, um, I want to be able to have the stored food that I have last me until the growing season. And then that food also has to last me while the growing season happening till I can harvest and then beyond. So we're not there yet. We don't have that stuff yet, but we're, we're, we're constantly working on this stuff. That's the key with prepping. You just, you constantly work on it little by little by little. So that's what we're doing. And some of the conversations that Cam and I have that have getting back to like our bug out location, because if you watch the entire video, you'll know that in phases after the solar kill shot, there is a um, the earth actually. And this is going to sound like Hollywood esque and conspiracy theory esque, but I believe it. Um, the earth actually is going to go through a shifting cycle where the magnetic poles flip and earth literally in uh, um 
un, like the crust unlocks and moves uh, because it's happened before. We know it's happened before because if you're in school and you believe like, I don't know, millions of years ago, the earth, the earth used to be one huge supercontinent called Pangeers. Um, I believe that the earth broke up into the continents we have partially because of these 12,000 year cycles of the earth moving and the crust unlocking and shifting and the earth. Yeah. And doing all that. So that gets into the more like movie kind of disaster. But when you look, when you listen to it, it's like, that makes sense. You've presented evidence that goes, yeah, this has happened before. But the problem with some of these like really big things, like if you guys remember the movie, it was a 2011 where uh, John Cusack is with John Cusack. And the earth literally like moved like the crust of the earth moved in that, in that film. Like that's what it's going to be like, uh, when the second phase happens. Now, not everything that's in the movie is going to happen, like, like how they portray it, but that type of earth crust displacement, um, is a very good possibility that that happens and there's going to be tsunamis and all this stuff. And the location that you choose is going to be really important based on that. Cause there are safe zones, there are new things, but anyway, that gets into like down the road stuff. We're really just trying to focus on the solar kill shot for now and not think about that. But in the back of our minds, we're going, okay, we need to figure out a way to survive, not only survive the solar kill shot, but like thrive. Like we need to figure out how to live life without technology, which is super, super like our, my brain can barely comprehend that. Like no more cell phones, no more like, gaming apex online no more watching youtube no more like nothing if it's got an electronic screen it ain't gonna work so it's really really hard for people to fathom to even imagine what life like that would be like because we have never experienced nobody in the on the earth has ever experienced that before nobody on earth has ever experienced a complete and total technological wipe so yeah it is going to be hard for people to even fathom and that's what makes it hard to try to explain this to people like we as preppers we relate with other preppers but most of us like me trying to explain this to my family or my wife's family ah uh, i've given up i really given up i care about them but you can you can lead a horse to water you can't make them drink and that's my stance on it my wife keeps asking me well if this stuff actually happens well what do we do about the family i'm like well uh, your sister and your sister and brother-in-law, like they live a mile away. We can probably go scoop them up and we can prep and plan for them joining us. Um, but your mom, your dad, your sister who are an hour and a half away, like we're not going to have the ability to get in contact with them. We're not gonna be able to text them. Like when this happens, it's going to be all of a sudden. It's not going to be something where it's just slow going. Like it's just going to happen just like that. Boom. Everything's out. And we're not going to have, they're not going to know what's going on and we're not going to have a, a way to get in contact with them. Now we can develop a plan for them. And this is something we thought about doing was like building them a little, a little, um, bug out bag. And inside it is like a binder with instructions. And we just give it to them and go, Hey, you don't have to look at this now. Just put this in the basement somewhere let it collect dust. And if nothing happens, it's just taking up a little bit of space in your basement. But if something does happen, you open this bag, you open this binder, you follow the instructions, you look at the map and you do whatever this binder says. And that binder will have our bug out location, our route to get there, the walking route, 
here's how to here's how to survive here's how to start fires like you know our bug out location to where from where our bug out location could potentially be to their house is maybe about a two-hour car drive so it might be like a nine-hour walk so we would build them a bag that has enough to like like it's like a three-day bag to get from where they're at to where to where we are and we just and we just say hey just we know you guys think we're crazy for this whole preppy thing, but just do us this favor out of love. Take this bag, put it in the basement, leave it there. And if anything ever happens, open the bag, open the binder, read it and do what it says. That's all we can do for them. Um, and that might be an idea for you guys. Like if you try to explain this to your loved ones and the loved ones, you, you, you want to make it, uh, that is, um, and they're just think you're crazy. Maybe an idea is build them a little bug out bad, make a plan for them, give it to them and go and just do what we're doing. Just give it to them and go, Hey, if something does happen, open this bag, read this binder and do what it says. Otherwise it just takes up space. So that's something that we're, that we're working on building for, for like my, my wife's, you know, mom and dad and sister. Um, so in any case, we're about out of time. Um, again, I, in these, in these podcasts, I just like to just talk. I really don't have a format yet. I need Cameron for that. Like he'll have a format. He'll have a format where we actually talk about topics and stay on topic. But I, I just, I just, whatever comes in my brain at the time, I just kind of fly off the handle. So, uh, in any case, guys, I appreciate you guys sticking with me this much. If you guys have questions, we're working on getting the, the, um, uh, prep and Patriots, uh, email set up. Uh, so when we get the setup, we'll let you guys know, I'll link all of the, um, links to the videos that I've, that, that I recommend in the show notes and yeah, um, I don't know what we're going to talk about in the next episode. So just stick with me. Uh, otherwise, thank you guys for watching. I know you guys' time is valuable. I appreciate you taking 30 minutes out of your day, uh, to check us out. So, uh, and if you like this podcast, please share it, uh, with your friends and family. Uh, so thank you guys. Peace out until next time. Thank you for listening to the Preppin' Patriots podcast. This episode was sponsored by... Shit. Nobody.